Hello and welcome to Sons of Thunder, the podcast where one of them likes to drink limoncello, the other one loves a good whiskey, and the third enjoys fasting from all of it and offering it up. How are you today? Welcome <laughs> to Sons of Thunder. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm uh, enjoying my water. So uh, I identify myself as that third one. Self-identification. Self How's your cooking going, Marty? Good. I've got a um, pork slow roast in the oven now. Should be, should be ready in six hours for dinner. Wow. Mm. You're patient. 100 degrees, six hours in a, in a crock pot with, a, you know, with some fennel and salt. and Yeah, awesome. For lunch today, I cracked open a can of spaghetti. One minute, <laughs> 10 seconds. Preparation time, about 10 seconds on top of that. Yeah, this, this takes a little longer than that. <laughs> but it is, it is worth it. <laughs> I know it is. Every time I go to your place, I think it's worth it. And one day I'll do this. One day. It makes a house smell homely. You know, when you come home and you've got this oven cooked meal, as opposed to spaghetti cooked in the microwave. Mm. Mind you, in my, in my defense... I was in a rush today because I've been doing tax stuff all morning and oh. stuff for a home loan, dealing with banks. Uh, I had to take the last half an hour. I just thought, nah, I've got to stop this. So I just spent the last half an hour praying because this is not, not in the right frame of mind. So we're doing Sons of Thunder. I just want to come back to the smell for a moment. What I've noticed is as soon as you open the plastic that the pork's wrapped up in, my dog will trot up from wherever she is, anywhere in the house. You, get the, like, you can't smell. We can't hey, smell. Hey. Hang on, I can I can do the sound effect for you. Ready? Yeah, like that, but a little bit more tiptoey. She's a bit of a ballerina. Yeah, you can't smell it. We can't smell it. But wherever she is, oh, there's pork, raw pork, <laughs> raw pork. Could it? Does it get better than this? It's yeah. Anyway, a bit weird. Does she ever get any? No. She that sounded very awkward, didn't it? Does she ever receive any from you? No. She um she can wait until it's cooked, and then when the humans have finished. And if there's any leftovers, she could have some of that. I just love how expectant dogs are. Like when, when my mum used to come home with the shopping, the dog would be the first one at the front door sticking his nose in the shopping bags to see what she'd bought. <laughs> just endless ho endlessly hopeful. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't seem to matter how much, like there's, there's none of this, oh, it's never worked before, so I won't bother. It's just, oh, yeah. oh that smells great. Oh, <laughs> Which maybe opens us up to uh, the topic of today of being endlessly hopeful for the grace of God. I was wondering how anyone could tie that in, but oh, that seems sufficient. A little yeah. forced, but uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it was easier than trying to connect raw pork to confirmation, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so confirmation. So the third, the third episode in this seven-part series on the sacraments. Father Dave, is it right? Confirmation kind of fills out the three that are effectively instituting us into the church. Yeah, and the second one we haven't talked about yet. Correct, in the Eucharist. In Eucharist. Yeah, but uh, we, we, we can... Oh, we can... Well, no, no, for, for our listeners, there is a very good reason for this. We haven't just got this out of order in a specific way. Father Dave has something lined up. Hope it's going to come off. We hope it's going to come off. That's going to tie in with the Eucharist episode. So we are delaying the Eucharistic episode so this that we can... editing nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so that we can uh, tie into... Just leave it in. ...this segue. Yes. You, you can leave it all in, Marty, and just mute yourself. Initiation. So just 
separate out. Sacraments of initiation is baptism, Eucharist, and confirmation. Correct. And and the others aren't. <laughs> <laughs> They're either. And that was Sons of Thunder. Thanks for joining us today. The other ones are either sacraments of healing or sacraments of vocation or mission. Ah, yep. That's good clarification. So reconciliation and anointing of the sick would be classified as sacraments of healing. Yep. So and- th- this is a question I probably should ask later, but I want to ask it now. What is the intrinsic difference between confirmation and baptism? Because you both you, you're receiving the Holy Spirit. And, and the fundamental question is, why are they separate? Because... When an adult gets baptised, they're done at the same time, mm. basically. And in the Eastern churches, they're done at the same time. Yeah, right? in, in the Orthodox, Orthodox churches, the Eastern Catholic as, churches, as a baby, you are going to be baptised, confirmed, and receive the Eucharist. Mm. Oh, wow. They'll put like a drop of the precious blood on your tongue. So, yeah, they, they, they hold firm to the idea of all three at the same time. It's a bit of a strange historical anomaly that uh, leads us to where we are now. Uh, are we okay with this? Is this a point of contention or is this merely diversity within unity? It's a bit of an odd one, really, because in the early church, there was a very clear idea that the grace of conf- or the sacrament of confirmation could only be given by a bishop, mm. which when the churches were very small, that was possible. But after Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire, suddenly you had this exponential growth in the number of people wanting to get baptized. And so at that point, the bishop couldn't be present for every baptism. And so around that time, you then started to have this split occur where in some areas they tried to hold on to the tradition that the bishop had to do confirmation. And so confirmation got delayed until later. Whereas in other parts of the church, they said, it's actually more important to have them all together. And so let's not have the bishop do confirmation. And so that's where we get the difference between the Eastern Church and the Western Church, or the Orthodox and Catholics. So the Orthodox tried to preserve the unity of the sacraments and in doing so kind of separated the idea of the bishop being essential, whereas the Catholics emphasized the essential nature of the bishop, but in doing so separated the unity of the three sacraments. Mm. By time, though. By time. But we still do yeah. consider them as, as sacraments a, of initiation. Yes, and unified in that way. Yeah. Mm. The Catholic Church then had to basically almost create a whole new theology for the sacrament of confirmation to make sense of why it came later. Mm. And so the, we would talk about confirmation as being like a, a mature adult decision for Christ. Sometimes the language used is the point where we become soldiers of Christ or we make that recommitment of our baptism. Whereas the, for the Orthodox, that seems ridiculous because they say, well, you just confirm when you're baptised. The modern thing is that often these days in a diocese, the bishop doesn't always do confirmations anyway. Mm. Because even now the bishop's so busy and the diocese is so big that he's delegating it to his vicar general or to a priest. So we've almost gone full circle now where it's not the bishop doing confirmation and we're not doing the sacraments all together. So... Yeah, it's a bit of a strange Here one. Here on Sons of Thunder, next year we'll be beginning uh, confirmations at baptism. <laughs> Father Dave, are you in? <laughs> I, I've, I've confirmed a few people. You know, so at, at Easter time, because once again, the, the church says ideally adults should be baptised at Easter, but the bishop can't be every, in every parish at, at Easter time. At every mass at Easter. Yeah. yeah, so he'll delegate the priest to go and confirm. Or if someone's close to dying, and they have been confirmed. Mm. Priests are allowed to confirm them. So, yeah, I've, I've confirmed a few people. Are you allowed to slap? 
Well, the slapping is an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, because you're right, go, Marty. I was going to say, when I was confirmed, I got slapped by the bishop, but not like not as hard as I probably deserved. <laughs> but it seems to it's, that seems to be out of vogue in the well, pathetic my- Western world where we're so soft <laughs> that that you know nanny state that does that still happen or do you just like, well, I think uh, it, this, I think this is church, Marty's petition bring back the slap <laughs> I think in a church yes. that's very sensitive towards protecting children now the symbolism is not that great <laughs> but see, well, once again the the symbolism of that I, I think there was sort of various origins of it but but it sort of speaks of that idea of becoming like a soldier of Christ you know so mm. At the point when a person was officially made a soldier, they were often, you know, marked, you know, by the the ruler, you know, or the the leader, you know, you you were now, or branded. Yeah, you you you're finally in. Um, you're strong enough. It's sometimes been used as that as a way of explaining the symbolism. I think these times they talk about it as being like an almost like a an expression of peace. <laughs> So it's it's kind of gone the the full circle now. Of Soft, a, a nice loving tap on the cheek. Yeah, come on, Marty. It's uh, that is symbolic of the actual reality, <laughs> and that being that you are uh, being confirmed in the Holy Spirit. Is it? Would it be correct to say a stirring up of the Holy Spirit or a well, confirming? See, yeah. See, once again, this is us trying to make sense of doing confirmation later in life. In its, in its original idea was that you were confirmed at baptism and it was all just one grace of the Holy Spirit, whereas we've, we've sort of created these other ways of explaining it mm. to understand the, the time gap. So, you know when Jesus reads from Isaiah or something and says, I've been anointed to bring, bring good news to the poor and all that? Set the captives free. All of that. That's... Um, that's... <laughs> to, para- to paraphrase, all of that. <laughs> All of that. That's essentially the concept of confirmation, isn't it? And the, I mean, Christians are called Christians because we're also anointed mm. to do all that same stuff. And that's that anointing sort of comes about mainly through confirmation, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's probably the better way to talk about the sacrament because you can get lost in all the history and the ins and outs of explanation of it all. But, but the, the real thing is trying to understand the grace of the Holy Spirit, which, yeah, sadly, even today, I think most people have got a very poor understanding of what the holy spirit is and what the holy spirit does mm. but yeah so sh- it, sorry, yeah i was gonna say should also just mention that christ means anointed in greek yeah. yes that's that's probably critical to that little thing that oh, I, was saying. I don't think i mentioned it <laughs> messiah is the same word but in aramaic or hebrew They're that's not right the anointed one yeah yeah so we we always think of messiah as meaning a person who claims to be god but in the Old Testament, it was just anyone who was anointed by God. So kings were Christed. It even talks about a pagan king, King Cyrus of, of the Persians being called the anointed one or the Messiah mm. because he, he delivered Israel and brought them back to the promised land. More of an anointed one, really, rather than the anointed one. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I think in the prophet Isaiah, it does refer to him as the anointed one. Um, <laughs> but they, they did anointing really quite uh, you know dramatically you know so when when kings were anointed they would have like a huge flask Bucket of, of oil and just crack it over the top of their head and just drown them in it yeah. you know so whereas these days we're just so hygienic you know a little bit of oil <laughs> dabbed on your on your forehead be much more dramatic 
Yeah. Now that is that is replicated from baptism, yes. So in baptism, we are anointed with oil. Yeah, you're anointed with the oil of chrism. Yep. And then that's replicated in confirmation. Yes. Yep. But but you you you're anointed at baptism, but it's not critical to. It's part of the liturgy, but it's not critical to being baptized, is it? No. No. So the so the the bare minimum is to pour water and say, "I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit." Yeah. Yep. You can't say we baptize of... you. Yeah. yeah. I, I, was, I was looking this up after the other week, Sam, that actually just in August, the Vatican put out a document clarifying the wording of baptism, that mm. you can't say we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there was a case of a priest who, who must have been a very young priest because he was baptized in 1990, and he went back and looked at the mm. video and realized that he was not actually baptized. And you can't, and you can't say... sinking feeling. And you can't say we because it doesn't identify the person whose faith is being used to execute the the sacrament. Well, because the priest is, or the priest or the person is operating in in the person of Christ. You know, it's Christ mm. who baptizes, mm. as opposed to the community. Like I so said, the community doesn't baptize a person. Community is nice and all, but that's not yeah. how it goes down. Christ does that. Yeah. But yeah, so the anointing that we do at baptism is the anointing with the oil of chrism. We, and we say, you know, I anoint you as priest, prophet, and king. But then in confirmation, we use the same oil, but we just say, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. Mm. So, so I found something interesting. I, I, I looked something up. So there's two words, sacramentum and mysterio, mystery. And the Eastern Church that calls the sacraments mysteries, the Greek, but the Latin Church calls them sacramentum, which is where we get sacrament from. Mm. And that word at the time was used to describe the first initiation of Roman soldiers into the Roman army, mm. which I think ties in really well with confirmation. Because I think of confirmation, I think of baptism as you're in the family, and confirmation as you're now in the army. You got a job to do. Yeah. Yeah. So as, this, as, as a missionary disciple. So does this also tie in with being sealed in the Holy Spirit, as opposed to so at baptism we receive the Holy Spirit. But at confirmation, we are sealed in it, I think is the, the wording that is used. Yeah, that's, that's the sort of way we try and explain it. The thing is, I don't remember my baptism, and I'm pretty sure you guys don't either. I don't. And I, I, think don't, rem- we I don't remember yours either. <laughs> we established, I think we established last week, we don't remember our first reconciliation. Right. I think I, I do. Oh, you think you do? Yeah. Oh, you, you must have been so bad. <laughs> well, actually, no, I, I actually do remember what I confessed because I felt really guilty about it. You felt oh, guilty Jeff. about confessing it? No, I, I, you know, about what I'd done. Uh, he was driven. Yes. Okay. So Marty and I don't remember. <laughs> we, we did establish that I was your first. First person who I I was your first penitent. Of. Yes. Yep. There we go. But I very, very strongly remember my confirmation it had a very big impact on my relationship with God. It was a very significant evening to the point where I remember struggling to not tear up and actually Mm. feeling really awkward because it felt like everyone else was just going through the process Mm. and that as a lot of people, they're dressed up and they're taking photographs. We had practice before, so you don't want to stuff it up everything like that. And yet what I remember from the night was sitting, standing in the pew afterwards and really struggling not to tear up and actually thinking what's just happened. 
almost mm. a bit of confusion what, what's just happened. But it was, it was a very significant moment in, in my relationship with God. That's a really mm. vulnerable moment, Sam. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> uh, I, your I turn, think, Marty. <laughs> I think I fainted during my confirmation mass. Wow. I think, I think it was after I was confirmed. You know how they always get the kids to stand at the front and do some sort of, you know, dance thing with a song. I, I'm pretty sure. No. No, okay. Well. <laughs> Wasn't a Latin mess then. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was during the... No, we, we stood out the front and had our photograph taken. I think it was, was... It was something we were doing where I was at the yeah. front. And I just remember everything just starting to go very black. And then I... That was it. I was gone. So... Uh, and, ev- and everyone smiled and nodded and thought, he's becoming a priest. No, I, I think they just said it. he needs some water. Someone yeah. get him some water quickly. <laughs> do you remember your confirmation, Marty? Yeah, I do. Not as vividly as you two, though. I remember going up the front to be confirmed, and I remember being slapped gently by the bishop. <laughs> I think that's called a pat. Yeah, I yeah, I I could have taken a harder one. <laughs> Gee, I wish you'd actually said that to him on the spot. <laughs> is, that was, all you, is that all you've got? It was, um, it was Guilford Young. He, he probably would have. <laughs> I had uh, Archbishop Darcy. Oh, yeah. I think. Oh, well, maybe I did too. Maybe it wasn't Guilford Young. <laughs> you, were knocked, you were knocked out. You don't remember properly. <laughs> you know when Jesus in the gospel says, you know, someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. I wonder whether any, any kids have ever done that to a bishop. Just saying, go on, try, try the other side. Or they take their jacket off and hand that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's take this outside. Okay, so uh, what does it mean to be sealed in the Holy Spirit as opposed to simply having access to the Holy Spirit like some sort of genie where we something's wrong, we call on the Holy Spirit. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a marked difference between being sealed in the Holy Spirit and simply, ah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Catholic, so therefore I can, you know, I've got the Holy Spirit who just helps me make good decisions. I think there's a concept here that we've got to get our heads around. One, confirmation is all about the Holy Spirit. And the second one is the Holy Spirit. You've read the Narnia books. They talk about Aslan. Aslan's not a tame lion. It's not like the kids in Narnia go and decide what Aslan can do and what he's allowed to do. You know, it's an illustration of the Holy Spirit. It's not like the Holy Spirit helps me as I want him to. The, the, the Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit of God. You know, you submit yourself to him. See, I, I would say this, this might be a little bit controversial, but I would say that most Catholics have not claimed the grace of most of the sacraments they've received, maybe even all the sacraments they've ever received. I don't think that's that controversial. <laughs> I'd, I'd actually be okay with you saying that to me personally at times. You know, we're yeah. Building but a like, chapel like, on the like, side it, of a mountain. And you say, Sam, I don't think you've fully taken up the graces available through the sacraments. I'd say, you know what, you're probably right. Yeah. But like, like even when you think about things like marriage, you know, or you know, ordination, like, like you've got the, the sort of basic entry level, I suppose, you know, of what God does. But then in terms of how we respond to that grace, I don't think most people even got an idea of what it's meant to even look like. You know, if they think of baptism, like you're meant to live as priest, prophet and king. How many people do you know who actually could name off exactly what that's meant to look like and would be confident that they're living it. Mm. You know, in terms of the Holy Spirit, uh, like I said before, I think most people have got a fairly vague idea of what the Holy Spirit is. I mean, Sam, you talked about the Holy Spirit as being like a genie where 
we treat God like Santa Claus, you know, he's meant to give us presents. He's meant to help us and make mm. our life even more awesome than it already is. Whereas really the idea is like, you're, you're meant to be taken over by the spirit of God, completely transformed into a whole new life. You're meant to therefore completely leave behind sin because you can't have one as well as the other. Like you can't be living sort of with one foot in both camps and, you know, really allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to take over you. Yeah, that requires an enormous amount of surrender to letting the Spirit do what it wants to do in you. So, yeah, like it's something which we've every day we need to be praying for God to renew these sacraments in us. And some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are confronting. I remember we had to actually choose, which I don't know if it was a good thing to do at the time. We had to choose which gifts we wanted. And I think we all naturally chose the gift that we were already aspiring for. So, for example, I remember choosing, I wanted courage. Mm. So that's what I'm looking for. As opposed to, okay, which gifts here am I actually a bit tentative of? And why would I be tentative of a gift from an all-loving God? Mm. I think I became a little bit, I think we were all at the time, a little bit flat-footed by looking at the gifts that already resonated with us within us and and perhaps that is a a work of the holy spirit already through the sacrament of baptism however i think there was a stretching needed in order to trust god and these amazing gifts and to be open as you were saying father dave being immersed in the holy spirit and in the life of the holy spirit i just looked up while we're talking on biblegateway.com the spirit of the lord is upon me you know and there's heaps of this through the Old Testament, and it's all the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovering a sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Judges, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel. Um, they went out to war. The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me and Samuel. It just goes on and on and on. And it's it's written, you know, in a particular way. It, it's not it's not I'm timid and I'm afraid. It's, it's the spirit of the Lord coming upon people and, and then being, yeah, as you say, immersed in that and their fears leaving them for them to do what the Lord wants them to do. Mm. It's very different to just, you know, I'll turn up and uh, get my sacrament and nothing else changes in my life. I think we don't expect enough. You know, we turn up to these sacraments, which are amazing. We don't really expect much. And then we don't get as much as we could have got if we had have expected more and asked for more. One of the best ways I heard it explained in terms of receiving the Holy Spirit or, or living in the power of the Holy Spirit is the difference between trying to traveling in a, ro- in a rowing boat or in a sailing boat. Like if, mm. you're, if you're in a rowing boat, you're completely in control. You choose where you go but it's a whole lot of hard work. Whereas in a sailing boat, you put up the sail, particularly in the old type of sails, which were less easy to navigate. You put up the sail and you're going to go a whole lot further, but you're not going to be able to choose where you go. You're going to go where the wind takes you. This works doubly well because when you change direction fast, duck. Because <laughs> the boom is going to come around each other. Yeah, head. humility. When you change direction fast, just get on your knees. Yes. <laughs> you end up in the drink. But yeah, like in terms of why we don't, grab hold of that grace i think it's because we're afraid we're afraid of letting go of control like i'll mm. i'll serve god in my way and i'll go where i want to go as opposed to really saying lord your will be done you know take me where you want me yeah it's terrifying but also very exciting yeah it reminds Sorry. me of the um 
denunciation. Mm. Mary says, um, I'm the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word, without really fully knowing anything about what that plan might actually be. And yeah, didn't no idea. It, and didn't it turn out magnificent? <laughs> Painful along the way. <laughs> Yeah. Particularly when, you know, one of the first steps along that journey, she gets told that a sword's going to pierce her own heart as well. Yeah. Turned out to be seven. Yeah. But yeah, like, I think that's the core of the problem. Like if we can actually be prepared to throw ourselves into the arms of God and say, okay, you take me where you want me to go. Mm. Um, Which also just ties in. I think we talked a few times about St. Teresa's little way, Mm. which I think is, sort of in, intrinsic to that is, you know, Lord, it's, it's your, it's your work in me. If, if I'm not perfect, it's because you haven't done enough, but as part of that is I'm, I'm yours. You need to do more of me, whatever you want. Mm. Well, I thought, so you brought that up. Was that only a couple of weeks ago? Okay, yeah, I think I brought up twice. It, it, Father Day brought up a long time ago. I've brought up twice since then. It's really affected me. Right. It's the same. I've prayed similar things. I, I was in a, a conversation with a, a extended family member, a few days ago that actually rocked me a bit. It was a bit of an accusation that religion is only for people who uh, need a bit of a crutch to hold on to. And yeah, it was, a, it was a really difficult conversation and I was affected by it. And I ended up remembering exactly what you'd said, Father Dave, and obviously you've repeated a few times, Marty, and the prayer was along the lines of, well, Father, if you want, if you want that person to be evangelized, you're going to have to do all of that. I'll, I'm ready whenever, but mm. I, I, and I'm not going, that conversation didn't go well and I thought I did okay in it, but uh, <laughs> you're going to have to do the work, Lord. It's yeah. really true. Yeah. Amen. Just, just, just a little digression. I think when, whenever people, people who are atheists say that religion is a crutch for weak people, I think you probably need to turn that around and say that atheism only works if you're wealthy. <laughs> like, because it's yeah. true. Like, like it is true. Like, like yeah. atheism is only well, a thing in wealthy countries. It was only afterwards, in hindsight, I realised there's actually an obvious thing here, which was, well, that certainly wasn't the case for the first Christians. Mm. It was for the majority, <laughs> of the, disciples, the majority of the disciples that ended in death and they were aware of, a lot of them were aware of this coming and still held fast. So it certainly wasn't a something just to make them feel like it's going to be all right in the end. The easiest thing then would be to actually leave it completely. Mm. Yeah. And we, we yeah. could easily digress into a whole other debate there. <laughs> no, no, we'll just, we'll just print bumper stickers, Sons of Thunder, atheism, well, atheism only works if you're rich. <laughs> but it did, it did actually occur to me, and this, I actually said this in the conversation with this extended family member, that the really difficult thing for me in describing the existence of God is that I've had an encounter with God, but I understand that me saying this to you probably isn't going to hold water because of where mm. they were coming from. Uh, and, ba- and baptism, reconciliation, Eucharist, confirmation are a really significant part of that, and particularly confirmation with the, I guess, what would be termed baptism in the Holy Spirit, that we are immersed into the Holy Spirit and the working of God's in a way that is out of my control. As, mm. as you said, Father Dave, with the, the boat on the waves, when you, when you see the boat moving under a really strong wind and you're just holding on and you see things happen that, it, it is not you, all mm. this that's happening. And you see God working in such amazing ways, but also in your own soul. And you hear those whispers of God and you grow in that intimacy with God. It's, it's actually difficult to share that with someone who oh, hasn't experienced it. It's almost impossible. 
it's impossible to communicate it fully. If you if you get back to what are, are the gifts of the Holy Spirit in in the New Testament, it talks about the extraordinary gifts or the, you know the charismatic gifts, you know, which are very much trying to show that God is still very much alive and still doing stuff. Though those are very dramatic presentations of the of the existence of God. But even like all the other ones, like in terms of love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self control, mm. you know, the, the, those fruits of the Holy Spirit. I think we've actually got to try and, you know, be quite bold in those to realize that they are proofs of the existence of God. Mm. If I'm able to show mm. self-control, it's not because of me. Uh, it's not because of my genetics, you know, and, yeah. and I think that's the whole power of someone giving their testimony because in a sense they're witnessing to the fruits of the Holy Spirit in their life. You know, this is what I was without God. This is what I am now. And there are so many, so many mm. things that we define as love. But if we actually look at sacrificial love, mm. it's, it's not for our own benefit. Mm. That's why there's a sacrifice involved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I often in the mornings when I wake up, say a, a quick prayer to the Holy Spirit, just to say, Holy Spirit, I, I, I want to be open to your promptings and your action in me today, which is sort of a bit mysterious, but because I want to do the things that the Holy Spirit wants me to do and not, and not the things <laughs> that the Holy Spirit doesn't want me to do. It's really just a declaration of being open. If you think about it in terms of conversation, as not conversation, confirmation, you know, being, having been enrolled in the, um, in the army and having a job to do, say, well, today I, I want you to tell me what that is today and I want you to help me do it and then I want you to do the rest of the work. <laughs> It's almost really trying to change your whole worldview as well. Sam, you were talking before about the gifts that you were meant to be praying for when you were confirmed. They asked you to choose something you wanted. You know, it's like in terms of like wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, fear of the Lord. I'm reading a list here, so I'm not remembering off the top so of my head. So am I. I've just Googled the same thing. I wanted to make sure I had them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like if you think of this in terms I want, of... I want fortitude. That's completely different to stubbornness. <laughs> Stubbornness is when you're wrong, but fortitude's when you're right. Pope John Paul II used to talk about the grace of holy stubbornness, which is what I want. You know, it's like, I, I think he was talking about that as uh, fortitude. It's that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a, a virtuous stubbornness. I'm not going to change my direction. Mm. But, but if you think of all this in terms of worldview, like this is almost like the spirit changing your whole orientation to being about God. Mm. You know, so piety is all about prayer you know it's, it's like i'm gonna love god and everything i'm gonna see god in everything whereas that like what original sin did was he blinded me from being able to see god in everything you know fortitude we, we we lost all our courage in the garden of eden whereas here the spirit's now regaining our courage and saying you know can you actually stand up and lead mm. you know so it's, it's almost like trying to undo all that damage that was done in the original sin and actually make us courageous christians Mm. which I think is important because most Christians aren't very courageous. Yeah, Most Christians That's kind right. of huddle together and talk amongst themselves, but they're afraid to step outside the doors of the church and talk to anyone. Yeah, we're pathetic. Mm. And, I'd, and I'd include myself in that category very much. <laughs> so the, the Old Testament gifts of the Holy Spirit, I did hear once two words to describe the two different lists, the one in the Old Testament, the one in the New Testament. Now, I'm, I'm th I could be wrong on this, but it was something like the, the gifts in the Old Testament are the fortifying gifts of the Holy Spirit, something like that. They help us to draw closer to God. 
and to knowing who we are, whereas the gifts in the New Testament are almost missionary service orientated. And I can't remember what the name was, but it, Father Dave, any idea what those names were that I might have heard? Ever no. heard them before? No. <laughs> if I'm trying to remember a conversation you had with someone, I'm not very good at that. Oh, no, it was no very classic. It, they were described as in there was an official name for this list and that list of gifts. Mm. Oh, okay. These are the fortifying, these are the sanctifying, something like that. Yeah, it's probably like that. I mean, the, the, the fruits of the spirit are very much about sanctification. The, um, the charismatic gifts are very much about witness and, you know, going out on mission. Yeah. Mm. But like I say, I, I think we can get lost in the lists. Mm. And whenever people talk about confirmation, it always comes down to lists of fruits and stuff. Whereas I think really it's got to come down to this thing of God actually wants to give us new life. Mm. He wants us to stop living in our own way of living and give us something completely radically different, which we probably don't really want if we're honest with ourselves. God doesn't want us to eat apples. Yeah. Whereas we kind of like being <laughs> hedonistic and all that stuff. Mm. So it's a bit, I mean, we were talking the other thing of baptism about do we behave like orphans or do we behave like sons and daughters? Well, it's the same sort of concept, isn't it? Through confirmation, you're given the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you take them as given to you by your loving father and, and behave as though you're the heir of the kingdom? Mm. Or do you not really take it seriously and continue to be poor and orphaned with, mm. you know, some vague dotted line to, to God? Mm. And, and that's basically the difference between the saints and us. But there, there was nothing particularly different about the saints. They just actually yeah. wanted to grab hold of the gift. Whereas yeah. we're like, oh, that's a nice gift. Put it over there and I'll unwrap it at some time. Mm. They, just, they were the ones who had the courage to say, yeah, let's, let's do this. You know, we, we only live once and what the world's currently offering is not really that great. So <laughs> let's try this thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's another side to confirmation being that it's quite possible that Marty and I, possibly you, Father Dave, I suspect not though, but Marty and I and a lot of our listeners could be asked to be sponsors to someone who's been confirmed. Mm. The role of the sponsor, I would assume, is going to be similar to that of a godparent. They are taking on a responsibility to walk with you in discipleship. Would that be fair? Yeah. I thought you just had your name printed on their shirt and stuff. Yeah, you just stand behind them, put your hand on their shoulder. Job done. Right. <laughs> Possibly too. I don't even remember who my sponsor was. I have a vague recollection. I could have a stab in the dark, but... I'm not 100% sure. Having a stab in the dark and trying to hit them? Mm. <laughs> yeah, the name at least. Okay, the name, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know who my... Oh, I've just remembered. Yes, I do. <laughs> and what a great job they've done. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, I've just been looking this up. According to canon law, the job of the sponsor is to take care that the confirmed person behaves as a true witness of Christ and faithfully fulfills the obligations inherent in this sacrament. That's quite a big responsibility, really. It is, yeah. And sorry, whilst that is a big responsibility, it has just occurred to me that for the last 15 or so episodes, we haven't many we've done, 17, Marty and I have been under the impression that you've been sprouting this information off out of the depths <laughs> of your mind, but it's just... He's a got a book! He's got a book! <laughs> <laughs> it's hidden out of you! No wonder your camera's tilted up. 
<laughs> Most of the time I'm going off my memory, which is why I'm stalling for time to try and remember. <laughs> what, what is it? Is it canon, canon law for dummies? Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're just, just, yeah, that was canon law 892. Eight, just, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> ah, one of my favourites. Well, <laughs> yes. no, I, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to read uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church whilst we chat, which is really yeah, difficult we're... because I've got to admit, Marty, about five minutes ago, you were on a roll talking about something and I was aware that I was reading and not actually listening to what you said. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Well, you'll, you'll have to listen to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that. <laughs> By the way, segue here, a big... Shout out to those who are listening, particularly for those who've actually got in touch. So to Matt down in Hobart, to Loz, who's probably walking around a lake up near Shepparton somewhere, to Christopher out on the uh, the dairy farm near Smithton, to those who've actually dropped an email or something on Facebook to say hello. Thank you very much for actually listening and participating and for the just for the encouraging words. Whilst Marty did say when we first started this that we're doing this just to do it. And if anyone listens, that's just a bonus. I'm more of the opinion that if we were just doing this for our own benefit, I wouldn't do it. So it, it's <laughs> pleasing. It's pleasing to hear that it's some people are finding it worthwhile at least. So this is, so this is, this is the hello back. Mm. We appreciate you. Oh, hello to Paulie over in Spain. There's someone in Spain oh, each week oh. that downloads and I should, I assume it's Paul. <laughs> so the question I suppose is, how do we actually live the grace of our confirmation today? Mm. If, if we assume that our baptism wasn't just something for back then, our, our confirmation wasn't something for just back then, what do we do? Well, you go and, you go and find your sponsor and tell them to do their job properly. <laughs> <laughs> You're meant to be calling me once a year with an evaluation to see whether I've been living up to my job. You're praying for me? You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually got our parish confirmations coming up. So this has given me a few ideas of... Uh, the pep talk I need to give for the sponsors. <laughs> yeah, so we've been sealed in the Holy Spirit. Are we actively listening? Are we actively docile? It's, it seems like an oxymoron, but it's not. How are we actively docile before the Holy Spirit? Mm. Well, it's kind of learning how to live in the grace of the Spirit. Yeah, and, and when I was talking about the, this idea that the, the gifts of the Spirit are meant to change our whole worldview, it goes back to this idea that we're not orphans. Like we, we need to live as heirs of the kingdom, you know, sons and daughters of God and trust that God actually wants to encounter us constantly and do stuff. Like when we talk about the extraordinary gifts, things like words of knowledge and prophecy, I don't think they're meant to be that extraordinary. I think they're actually meant to be very ordinary. Like we're meant to be hearing the voice of God regularly. We're meant to know how to discern what is the voice of God and what is me. I think things like healings and miracles are meant to be extremely ordinary, but it's a question of whether we're actually able to enter into some sort of training to learn that part of the Christian journey. Mm. Uh, I was saying this at mass the other day to one of the weekday homilies that I think most people are quite comfortable being sheep and they'll let the priest think for them. So whenever they, they want to know what God wants, they'll go and ask the priest. Whereas I was saying like, no, you're meant to know that yourselves your prayer life is meant to be deep enough that you can hear the call of God and know what is the voice of God. Mm. Mm. So, hold a second. Do you need something? Just give me a second. Sorry. Welcome back. It was my, it was my daughter. Do you have any cash? <laughs> I thought she asked, do you have any cats? And I couldn't figure out what was going on. <laughs> I have no cats. 
<laughs> but it's one of the rare occasions where I do have a small amount of cash. Oh, well done, Dad. Thank you. No. At, a, at a serious level, the, the that that everyday opportunity to read scripture, to pray through it, and to allow God to speak to us through it, to spend time in silence, to meditate on the mysteries of Christ through the rosary or Div- and divine mercy chaplet, God's love, to spend time in front of the blessed sacrament. There are so many ways there, and to obviously receive the Eucharist. There are so many different ways there that we can participate in the life of the Trinity. I'll tell you what, when, whenever I get a chance, which is not every day, but several times a week, I get a chance to go to adoration in front of the Blessed Sacrament and, and saying the rosary in front of the Blessed Sacrament, I just find incredible. Sometimes I just have the whole time to be able to try to meditate on the mysteries you know, and, and get away from my distractions. But sometimes that prayer is sort of three levels to it. There's, the, there's, there's my intercession for the things that I offer the, the particular decades for, and there's the verbal prayer of the prayers themselves. And then it's as though Mary opens the, the curtain to the throne room of heaven. And at the same time that all this is going on, I'm having a conversation with with Jesus about whatever's going on, you know, in my in my life, whatever's going wrong at the time, <laughs> all right. And and half an hour later, I just find that that particularly sort of clothed in the rosary, that that opens my mind to being attentive to to listening to listening to Jesus. Mm. Well, you're coming in with the whole family there, aren't you? Oh, heavenly family. Sorry, not not the family in the background yelling out. <laughs> <laughs> Spiritual family. Yeah. But I think I think the big thing is to learn how to be comfortable in silence in prayer, mm. um, expecting that God is actually going to say something. That's the bit which I think most people struggle with because they, mm. as a society, we don't like silence. We always try and fill it with something. Mm. You know, I see people sitting in the church praying, but they've got, earphones in listen to praise music i'm just like just sit in silence like you've got to learn how to sit in silence before you're ever going to hear god speak to you how do you know that it's praise music sometimes you can hear it as you go past (laughs) (laughs) ah funny father tony schick i know those chords (laughs) actually father one of your counterparts father dave father tony did actually challenge me once many years ago 2005 2006 when i was living in melbourne his challenge to me was just that to go to adoration and sit in silence mm. and to not not actually pray anything this was his big challenge to me at the time we're having a, it was in context of a, a large discussion we were having and that was i wasn't his. just a bet you can't bet you can't bet you no, can't it wasn't years. no it was it was a remedy as such which was there was more pascal's thing wasn't it well, it the, sounds the, more Marty than anything. That um, all, all man's troubles stem from the fact that he can't sit in silence for an hour. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it was Pascal. Was it Pascal? Anyway. Who's Pascal? Who Blaise is this Pascal. person? Oh. Blaise Pascal. Famous scientist, but also famous Catholic. <laughs> yeah. oh, I didn't know. I knew he was a famous scientist. Pascal's wager, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mathematician. He was Pas- part of a whole... Pa- Pascal's wager is a theology kind of thing, not a science. But it was the same guy. Yeah. <laughs> So now we've brought it up. Pascal's wager basically says if if you're going to take a bet, if you can't decide whether like God's real or not, and and all the evidence is stacked up equally, you may as well be a Christian because you'll 
you'll have yeah. a more fulfilling that's, life. That's not how I normally hear it. That's not how you normally hear it though. They wouldn't normally, you don't normally hear it in context of if it's stacked up evenly. Yeah. It's not, it's not a proof for the existence of God. It's a, it's a, it's basically it's a that like if you probability kind of, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you live as a Christian and it turns out to be true, you get eternity. If you don't live as a Christian and it turns out to be true, you lose badly. And so either way, say, if it turns out not to be true, it doesn't matter. You've lived a pretty good life anyway. So he said, yeah, on, on the basis of the reward at the end of it, it's probably worth having a go. Yeah, so another, like you, after you've stepped through all that, a better maybe sum up is the only way to actually be totally fulfilled in heaven is one, to believe in God, and secondly, to buy into it. Mm. That's, where the, that's where the jackpot well, is. Yeah. I think within that there's a certain element, a, a significant element of doubt, probably better to actually come to know Jesus, to listen to the Holy Spirit and to follow. And get confirmed. I think one of the key things is to realise that the Spirit of God is probably actually already speaking to you quite often. You're probably just not recognising that it's the Spirit of God. You know, so it's those little promptings you have throughout the day, which you probably just put down to coincidence or, you know, oh, it wasn't that interesting. I was thinking about that before the person walked into the room. To actually stop and think, hang on, maybe that is actually the Spirit of God wanting to be part of my life and I should actually now cooperate with this or, or learn how to work with it. So it's not really as distant and mystical as it's sometimes made out to be. But the more that you mm. can become conscious of it, the more you can actually call on it at the right times when you need it. It's funny. You just reminded me of something you said when we were doing our filming project a few years ago while we were on top of Dry's Bluff saying that you're mm. pretty sure there's some new, neurotic fish out there in the ocean wondering if, if water exists. Yes. Yeah. That <laughs> we are so immersed in God and, the, and we, are, we take for granted... You didn't say this. I'm going to add this in. We take for granted, though, love. As in, there's nowhere else in the universe that we know of where you can observe love. I'll say this. There is nowhere that we can observe love except here. Mm. It's a strange thing. And we become so desensitized to that. Mm. We're so immersed in love that it just becomes, oh, that's just... It's just normal, yeah. Rather than identifying that this is this is God, yeah. This is a this is a product of God, yeah. And and yeah, likewise, the, the spirit of God is constantly doing stuff in your life. It's just a question of whether we're recognizing it or, or or whether we're actually slowing down enough to hear it. Mm. I, I had this profound experience some years ago. I was I was invited to go to New Zealand to speak at a, a youth conference, and it was just when I had my holidays planned. So I decided to have my holidays in New Zealand. Worked out really well. And uh, basically hiking in the mountains in winter by myself. Uh, but I was hiking near the Tasman Glacier and didn't quite factor into the fact that I was in a valley next to a 3,000 metre high mountain. And so as soon as the sun set, it would go pitch black instantly. Mm. And so I was hiking in this sort of rock field, looking for a trail that was marked by piles of rocks. <laughs> On, on, on the edge of a 100-metre drop down to the glacier uh, with a very bad torch. You know what normally happens too? When you're in a scree field and you've got the, the cans, the, the rock yeah. piles, you get people, nongers, going and sticking cans out just, oh, because I can build a little pile of rocks. Just to confuse everyone, yeah. Just to, Sorry, just a quick rant on <laughs> mountain climbing across scree fields. But I, I hit this point where I thought, because it was also raining heavily, Oh, it's worse. Just to, just to make it worse. I hit this point where I thought, 
I'm actually genuinely quite scared right now because I could die. And uh, in the midst of my panic, I just felt like God just saying, just listen. And I was like, no, 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 I've got to try and work this out. I've got to try and reason my way out of this. And I just felt like God saying, just listen. And I tried with everything in myself just to calm down to a place of prayer. And as I was there, I just kind of felt this sense of go left. And I was like, okay. So I went left and I hit one of these cans and one of these piles of rocks. So I just kind of kept walking, stumbling over this place. Then a little while later, I just felt like saying, go right. So I kind of went right and I hit another pile. And basically just felt guided in the, the darkness to find wow. all these piles of rocks. But it was this moment of just like, how many other times have I not listened? Mm. And God's yeah. actually there like, I can show you how to get through this. If you can just shut up long enough to listen to me. Yeah. Dave, 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 <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave. I'm listening. You can say the rest he says of it, he says it quick. He, he says it quicker to Marty. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Did you, can I ask, and this is obviously going back a while, but did you, as that progressed, did you feel more and more in awe or was it afterwards you were able to f- reflect on it? I think it was afterwards. The problem was that I was getting more and more kind of hypothermic as I was going. My brain was working less. Uh, and uh, That's probably what yeah. helped. This wasn't the uh, one where you ended up sleeping in a disused horse cart, was it? No, that was a few days later. Oh, same trip. <laughs> same trip. <laughs> So you got some gold out of that I, trip. I, uh, I clearly didn't learn that hiking in the snow by myself was a bad idea. Clearly. Uh, all right, let's say prayer. Yep. Uh, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Uh, we just give you ourselves, Lord, and we give you our listeners, and we ask you to come into our lives deeper, come and rest on our heads as tongues of fire, come and consume our hearts and our hard hearts and give us your heart of love. And work in our lives and help us to be open to you and help us to respond to you and help us to be your people and for you to be our God. Amen. 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 And Father Day, I have found the actual prayer that the bishop, the Archbishop prays mm. at confirmation. Yeah, good. All powerful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, by water and the Holy Spirit, you freed your sons and daughters from sin and gave them new life. Send your Holy Spirit upon them to be their helper and guide. Give them the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of right judgment and courage, the spirit of knowledge and reverence. Fill them with the spirit of wonder and awe in your presence. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Our Lady, help of Christians. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray, Lord, that you would bless us and bless all those who are listening to us. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Amen.